This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. This is Jeremy and Eric here with Bucket Talk, powered by Brunt. This week we have Lily, Lily's of the Elm Street House. But before we jump in, Eric, what's been going on? All right. A lot of action going on over here for both Jeremy and I. This is the first weekend we've actually divided and conquered, went to two separate locations for our day job. I'll let Jeremy talk through his. I happened to head up to Epping, New Hampshire, where there is a large snowmobile grass drags event where they actually ride race snowmobiles on grass and also across a small like kind of pond thing that most actually sink. The reason I went there, we are sponsoring a snowcross team, 1-3 Motorsports team, and they were there with their big hauler and all four sleds and all four riders. And one, we got to see what the sleds are going to look like for this upcoming season. Two, on the two big races that we're going to be doing, the primaries, we got to see what one of the sleds looks like when we're the primary sponsor. And three, and most importantly, we got to meet the team, meet the riders. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up this season. We don't want to spoil it too much. It was well worth the time and glad I got to meet those folks. Jeremy, where in the world were you? Awesome. No, I was in the Catskills, New York. I was at a, a magical place called Maker's Camp. It's a gathering of, of people who share their trades and their crafts from blacksmithing to epoxy pouring to, you know, axe resurfacing and welding. So long story short, uh, we went up there and, and hung out with a whole bunch of folks that have supported us from day one, have been uh, huge drivers in helping us grow in the community and, and understanding our products and the products that we can feature and, uh, just was awesome to to hang out with these people and uh, and get down and dirty with what they do every day. So definitely a cool, cool event, and we'll definitely be there next year. Awesome, awesome. And as a thanks to Lily, we are going to be giving a code for the listeners this week for $10 off, $60 more on Brunt. Code is ELM10, E-L-M-10. Use that at checkout for $60 or more. And we got you taken care of as a thanks to Lily. Let's dig in. All right. Well, today we are here with Lily of Elm Street House. Lily, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. So I'm super interested in this podcast. Not that I haven't been interested in other podcasts, but this one is super exciting for me because we share something in common and we both have really friggin' old houses before we start i want to know more about lily where did you get your start what are you doing like take us all the way back give us the whole history of lily <laughs> sure i mean i'll start by saying that home renovation was not anything that i saw myself doing it's not anything i really had experience with until i bought my house I actually have a degree in marketing. That's what I chose as my career. I've always been a super creative person. So like I play musical instruments and I sing. I was a one of those theater kids. And uh, my favorite part of any class was always the projects or the posters, like getting hands-on and anything that take me out of a textbook. 
So I always knew that I wanted to do something in the creative field, but um, I also have like a love for helping people and I love critical thinking and logic and all of that fun stuff too. So marketing was just like a, a perfect fit for me where I can kind of blend all of those worlds into one. And when I got out of college, I took the first job I could find. I was an IT recruiter for five months. I did not last very long at all. Everything there was like really micromanaged. So I hated every day I went to work. I needed a little bit more autonomy and to be able to bring a little bit more of Lily to a job. So the whole time I was there, I was looking for something in marketing, ideally, that would be you know, a better fit for me. And I ended up finding a job uh, for a marketing agency at the time I was living in Tampa. And I went in entry level for them on their client services team. So working directly with their clients. And this is kind of my first introduction to anything home service because their primary clientele were home service companies. Um, HVAC in particular was like their bread and butter, but they worked with plumbers, electricians all over the U.S., And so here I am, like, I'm a 20 year old kid. I am not even close to being a homeowner. Didn't know when I would own a house, have no experience in the industry at all. And now I'm expected to get on calls with business owners and talk to them about their industry and help them strategize their marketing around it. So I I really got thrown into it quickly. And, you know, I wasn't expected to be a subject matter expert, but to know enough to not sound like an idiot on the calls, (laughs) right? So it really was just like sink or swim. And I learned how to swim and I loved that job. The people I worked with were amazing. Um, I got to be creative all day, every day and do what I really loved, which was helping people through just helping them grow their business. So I was with them for, gosh, a little over four and a half years. And during that time, the pandemic hit. And so we all went remote, like most office jobs did. And I had been wanting to move home. That was like the one thing I didn't like about that job is I'm I'm from Maine, born and raised Mainer over here. And I went away for college just to have like that. Let me experience a new place, rebel a little bit, be in a bigger city, but I was ready to come home and they just don't make marketing agencies like that in Maine. It's a, a totally different ball game up here. But when we went remote, that like opened up the door for me to come back. And so I got approved to be a fully remote employee, came back to Maine and immediately started looking for houses because this is always where I wanted to settle down. Uh, And when I was looking, I could talk all day about the home buying process because that's a nightmare, but I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Yeah, I (laughs) I knew that I wanted to buy a multifamily home. Another Lily fun fact is I'm a personal finance geek. So I know where every one of my pennies goes and multifamily just seemed like the move, like that additional income. It just makes sense. Well, so well I'm a, I have to stop you there because okay. I did the same thing, but multifamily worked against me because my Uh-oh. parents moved in. So. Okay. <laughs> no, I'll make note of that. What things to avoid. Courtesy of me, right? <laughs> so 95% of the time it works. <laughs> Yes. I'm hoping I'm part of that 95%. That's the goal. Although I already have friends that are like, once the, once the house is done, like I'll come visit and I'll stay in the apartment. And I'm like, I'll have enough bedrooms. I'm renting that out. Exactly. Who knows how long they'll stay. 
Yeah, no, little fun, <laughs> little fun fact about the Perkins Farmstead. But anyway, continue. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, that's okay. Throw in all the fun facts you want. I, I love it. I will. I will. I love it. So yeah, looking for a multifamily, and then I was open to a fixer upper, and now that's like a funny thing for me to go back and say because at the time, fixer upper to me was like. I'll swap out some flooring and change some finishes and repaint and I'll be so handy. But everything that I was finding had like major foundational issues. The money that it was going to require to fix the houses that were on the market at the time was just, you were not going to be able to get out of it what you put into it. So it was like hard pass after hard pass. And finally, this is like a random day of the week. My dad came home. And he, I don't know if he had an aha moment or what, but the house next to the one that he grew up in had sat vacant for a few years and the family he grew up next to still owned it. And so he reached out to them. It was not on the market, but he asked if they would be open to selling it. And they were like, yes, but like it's in rough shape. It's going to need some work. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. I want a fixer upper. Let's go see it. And we pull up. And if you've ever seen a picture of my house, you know, it looks haunted. And like the paint is peeling off the side. There's missing panes of glass. There was like lace curtains blowing in the window. Perfect scene for a ghost. But I still, I don't know, something about that screen charm to me, I guess. And when you got inside, the house was built in the 1870s. And I'm pretty sure every decade that someone lived in that house was represented somewhere in a layer of wallpaper in the knob and tube DIY wiring that was done in the seventies and eighties and the wood paneling that was put up. It needed a lot more work than I thought. And it was going to be a complete gut job. Uh, There was a ton of water damage, like the roof. The last time it had been repaired was the eighties. So all that water is just like seeping down into the plaster and separating it from the wall. So I knew going into it that I was taking this down to the studs, but the bones were like solid. This house is level in ways that I didn't think was possible for a house. Like every house I've ever lived in has a little bit of a little bit of a lean somewhere and it's pretty minimal in the house. So it was a daunting thing and an intimidating thing, but I couldn't shake the feeling that like, this is my house. Like I just, I loved it too much. And before I could talk myself out of it, I went right home and called a realtor and got to work on buying it. And so we closed summer of 2021 and I started doing all the demo work myself, primarily to save money, going back to that whole personal finance stuff. I want to save every penny I can. And I'm like, everything in this house needs to be broken anyway. So it's not possible for me to mess this up. Like, what am I going to hit that can't be broken? Nothing. So I'll take a sledgehammer to everything. All of my friends. Cool. What's that? When you demoed, I I actually, so I come from, I mean, it's obviously historic New England, but Mm -hmm. um, friends of ours back in Massachusetts, they had done a demo on their house. And when they opened up the wall, it was just full of old glass liquor bottles. Like, I guess taking on the job was like normal at the time. So they had like, (laughs) like old Boston companies and it was, they took each bottle and they actually made it like, it's almost like a piece of artwork, but essentially they built all these small shelves and put them there. But I mean, there was probably 30 or 40 and just a little renovation that they did. Did you find anything cool like that within the walls or no? 
oh, I have so many treasures. The third floor had been used as attic space for I don't know how long. And so there were piles of paper up there. And in one of the first rooms that I cleaned out, I was going through everything just to see if I would find anything cool. And I have, at the time, it was the oldest thing I found in the house, a letter from 1911 of the owner of the house owed money on traveler's insurance. It was like $2 overdue for his traveler's insurance. And so I have the envelope it came in. I have the let, the little postcard from them and the return payment piece. And through the whole renovation, I have, I've found numerous newspapers, the oldest one being from 1886, most of them intact, some of them in pieces. And then another not so old uh, treasure, but under the flooring on the second floor, so there's also linoleum put down to look like rugs in the room. Nice. And when that I pulled good. that, that up, good. That was yeah. good. <laughs> when I pulled that up, perfectly preserved and pressed underneath it was papers from the 1960s and the 70s. So whenever that floor got put down, they laid newspaper underneath it to kind of create that padding and barrier between the hardwood and the flooring. And so the result was literally just perfect, perfectly preserved newspaper. So I I have, you know, like the under storage plastic bins. I've got two things of that full of newspapers. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Mostly paper. I didn't find any bottles. No. And, 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 you know, I also have an old property. I laughed when you said your house looks haunted. I, I literally have a cemetery on my property. So it's, it's, like, oh. it's like, I'm one of those people that are like, you guys are good over there. I'm good yeah. over here. We're, That's right. we're fine. Everything's yeah. good. So our property used to be an old Cooper Smith's property way back in the day. So we find like nails and, and like barrel rings and, and just really nothing fun. Uh, so that's still cool. Like that's still a piece of history. You know, the, the square nails I find in my house, I'm like, someone made this and this has survived for so long, even though it's, you know, once you find enough of them, it's not as cool and novel anymore. It's still like a piece of history I think is, is neat. And you're hundred percent right. I look at like the wide plank flooring up in uh, the main part of my house. It's probably a good foot and a half to two feet wide. And mm-hmm. that was the flooring. Wow. And probably about an inch thick, if not like an inch and a half, like true yeah. inch and a half. And I'm like, this is insane. And the beams in the wood part of my house. So I had like a woodshed that got walled off at one point in time and became part of the house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it's just got timber framing that that's just unreal. And yeah, there's definitely something special about it. And I, I absolutely love, but it's definitely hard to work with. I mean, you get contractors in and you're like, Hey, I just want to, I want to put an outlet over here. And they're like, right. no, you got to gut the whole thing. You're like, dude, I just want to put an outlet right there. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't do that. I mean, I laughed where I had a guy come out. I needed to put a, an outlet in for uh, my chickens. Cause we had, we needed a heat lamp. I did not want to run an extension cord. So right. he came out and he goes, we started at the outlet and he's like, all right, where's the sub panel? So we go to the sub panel and the sub panels in the bathroom. He goes, this is they like, I can't believe you have a sub panel in the bathroom. I'm like, well, we'll overlook that. I didn't put it there. So it is what it is. And then he goes, this is overloaded. So then we went to the main panel and he goes, this is overloaded. And then he's like, you need a new service. I go, I just need an outlet. <laughs> like, <laughs> it should not be that hard. I, I'm not spending 20 grand right now for my chicken. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> 
It was funny. But like, what's some of the stuff that you're facing right now? Where are you at in the state in the process? And, you know, what are you up against? Yeah. So right now the house is sitting, it is demo is done. There's some like some finishing pieces. Like there's a few baseboards I need to go muscle out of there, but for the most part, it's completely gutted and cleaned out. And so what I am working or trying to work through right now is because it's multifamily in the state of Maine, a licensed electrician has to do the electrical, a licensed plumber has to do the plumbing. Like I can't even do any of the rough in myself, which was my initial plan. The state inspector kind of squashed that dream. But my biggest challenge right now is finding any electrician and plumber that has availability before like spring or summer of next year. Mm -hmm. it's proving to be a challenge, but you know, people like the, at least they're still answering the phone. At least they're still coming to take a look at the the projects. That was um, a struggle at the very beginning before things were gutted. Uh, People would come look at the job and not call me back, or it would be too big of a job for them. I don't think they realize like it will be open to the studs for you, Mr. Electrician. I will make your job so easy. But yeah, right now, just everybody's working and it's been a struggle, but I'm powering through. What do you think you could take on like going forward? How did you kind of, what's the next step for, for Lily in, in her learning process? Once it's all electrical and plumbing are in, are you going to start, you know, finishing it out, trimming it out? Are you going to put up the drywall? Absolutely. Drywall is the one that I'm like iffy on. I've got 10 foot ceilings on the first floor and I got like everything walls and ceiling all needs to be done. So I'm sure I could do it, but there's enough weekends where it's like, it's just me at the house. My dad comes to help when he can. We've got family friends that'll come help when they can, but not reliably enough. So I may hire that out, but as much as I can, I want to do myself. I love, I've like found this whole passion for renovating and like learning new skills. There's something so fulfilling about, especially when it's an intimidating task. Like for me, taking down plaster in the house, by the time I did the first room, I was like, how in the world am I going to do this entire house? Like I had this moment of not regret. I won't (laughs) call it regret, but it's kind of like that where I'm like, what the hell did I get myself into? What did I sign? I can't do this. Like but figuring out, like finding the little tricks to it and making it happen. It's, it's really fulfilling for me. So as much as I can, I will do myself. The electric and plumbing needs to get done, but yeah, like anything from that point on is fair game to me. I will say, and you brought up a good point. And and I, I do want our listeners to know this because I burned them out. Be careful. Use your friends and family tactically. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I first started the farm and and all this, you know, I had huge buy-in from friends and and family and, you know, still great friends and family. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that that any love lost, but right. No, you can only ask them to help you move stuff or build stuff or, you know, excavate stuff so many times before they're like, dude, I got my own stuff to do. (laughs) Yeah. I was really nervous about that. And when I first started, I was not asking for any help. And it Mm -hmm. took my mom pushing me just kind of a fun story. I went to a wedding in Mexico in January and my dad was going to do like a little bit of work at the house for me while I was gone because he needed something to do that weekend. And so when I came back, my mom took me to go check out the work he had done. And 
to my surprise, the entire third floor, I had most of the plaster down in three of the five rooms. Everything else was down. All the lath had been taken down. She had organized a surprise work weekend for me. And so there were like nine people at my house that came to help. And so from that point, I got a little more comfortable asking for help, but to your point, I don't want to overdo it. I have not found that line yet and I'm happy about that, but I know it exists. Yeah. I needed, I need a huge like kickstart essentially, like just to get everything operational. And, and so I did need to front load a lot of that and, and, you know, now we have to be content with doing every little project on our own or paying for it. Um, right. I right. think as long as you're cognizant of of how you're going to utilize, you know, your help and, and your goodwill. I mean, it's great. It was a great experience for a lot of my friends to come up and and help out and be a part of something that they're not normally a part of. But at the same time, just be careful. <laughs> be careful yes. how you use, utilize people or just have your parents move in and and be unpaid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I had a friend tell me once that maybe I should avoid that. So <laughs> if I've learned anything on this podcast, I may not take that piece of advice. <laughs> so no, I love, they listen, they're avid listeners. So I really love them. However, <laughs> however, it is, it is funny. It's, it's like, you know, I don't know. You just, you just don't want to ruin relationships and right. boundaries are set with myself yeah. and my parents. So everything's great there, but it is funny. I do hear a lot of people who do rent out their second home or their, you know, the multifamily or whatever to family and realize it was a huge mistake. Yeah. Um, you know, my father-in-law taught me back in the day that if you rent something to family, don't expect that money. And <laughs> it only came from his experience. And yeah. It was, it was funny. It was like his own sister, you know, and, and he, he's just like, you know what? You're going to do it out of love. Don't do it for the money. And I was like, yeah, it's an interesting take, but all right. So you're done with demo done and with demo. you need an electrician, which I think if anybody's listening, there's some electrical work that needs to be done up in mid to Northern Maine. If you're free, um, let um, me know. <laughs> exactly. Please. <laughs> But are you changing the layout? Anything structural changing or are you just going to restore it the old way? So the only things that are changing right now, it's opened up to the original floor plan. There's one wall that's missing. So on the first floor, there's a living dining area. That's kind of like a great room right now. And there would have been a wall separating that, but at some point that was taken out and I'm going to leave that that way. I kind of like, I don't want a full open floor plan, but I like having that space Yeah. on the second floor. There's a couple of doorways that will be they'll just become walls to help separate that apartment okay. because the, the last family that had it broken up into multifamily, they lived on the first floor, rented the second floor, and then used the third floor as attic space. Yep. And so the, like the original staircase in the house had been closed up for years. I took all those walls down. I love that staircase. It's my baby and I will never hide it again. Interesting. The only update I'm really making is on the third floor, one of the bedrooms will get split in half so that I can have a bathroom on that floor and a walk-in closet to attach to one of the bedrooms. There's nine bedrooms total in the house and I don't need eight for myself. So I think I can spare one. (laughs) When you have it all built out, a lot of people don't know. This is actually a little known fact about vacation land. So through the pandemic, a lot of the rental properties flipped to 
Airbnbs. So for people that were trying to rent in Maine as just normal renters, couldn't rent because they were priced out for vacationers or people that were going to ski or people that were going to work remotely and and essentially be in vacation land all year round. To add more rental properties is is definitely needed in, in at least in the state of Maine. Yeah, I live in an apartment now, and I went through that process just a few months ago. I was living with my parents while renovating, and it just got to a point where I needed my own space again. But yeah, I ran into that issue where there were limited options, and the ones that were out there were just crazy. Astronomical. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you can't rent reasonably in Maine anymore unless you're going to go up into the North Country. I was surprised, especially when I... I, that was one of the reasons why my parents came back. They ended up in um, up north, like Presque Isle, essentially, because that was the only place they could they could rent at the time and with their fixed income. And I was like, "Holy crap!" I I, I was I had no idea that that was the case in Maine. Yeah, there's a huge need for rental spaces right now. Huge. Awesome. So, bring me through one challenge. One like. Something that, I mean, obviously the whole house is a challenge, but like there there has to have been like one thing that you lost sleep over that, you know, maybe shed a tear or, or (laughs) what this is, I'm done, I'm done. And then like, walk me through something that somebody who's going to be tackling uh, a project like this in the future Mm -hmm. should just be aware of, or, or understand that there are going to be hurdles that you need to overcome. Yeah. So I mean, my mind goes back to plaster, but at a different point. So I had that first frustrating day where I did the first room and I was like, how am I ever going to get through this? And then I put a plan together and I had like a little checklist and I'm like, okay, this is how many surfaces I have left to scrape plaster off of. As long as I know how many there are and how many I have left, I can get through it. And for a while that worked well to motivate me until I was about halfway through and I had a particularly tough day at the house. I was scraping plaster into bins and both of my bins broke. And so then I was just like, fine, I'll just scrape plaster onto the floor. And then I was doing that and I hurt myself and like scraped my finger all up. And I remember going home after that day and looking at where I was in my plan and realizing one, I was behind two things were not really going according to my plan. And even after like a a super trying day, my, my patience was shot. I was over doing the same thing over and over. And I still had months of it left knowing that I had to go back and do that again. The next weekend was that whole week. I love, you're talking about losing sleep. I lost sleep over that. Cause I'm like, it really tries your perseverance for one to try to push through those kinds of things. You also have to be like kind of flexible in a way you have to understand that you can put a plan together all day, but I'm going to say 5% of the time that plan works out. And so you have to be able to pivot. You have to not let those mental blocks get in your way and somehow find the motivation to pick it back up again and go back at that same problem to try to find a solution. And every stage of the project has kind of been like that. I'm sure you've experienced that too with an old house. You run into just times where it feels hopeless and you somehow have to find 
a way out of that hopelessness. That's actually a good point. I mean, it seems like you're detail and plan oriented. I'm chaos and kind of handle it as it <laughs> as it comes. I think to some degree, having the skill set for me is good, but for others, I think that you know, having a detailed plan, following that, what your original plan is, and and just really sticking to it is really what's going to get you through the day. One of the things that I I wanted to touch on because I think that it opens a I don't know it 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 kind of bugs me. I, okay. I I spent time watching HGTV prior yeah. to this house, right? I'm not, you know, dissing any of these outlets or Instagram or YouTube, but everybody makes it look really easy. <laughs> and, and it and it really it really makes it so that people think that they can do it or that it's gonna be like I'm gonna flip this house in 30 days, right? right. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna have my dream home in in under you know, six months, what would you tell somebody that thinks that that's what they want to do? That's a good question because I don't want to discourage anybody from following that, but you also have to understand you're only seeing 30, 60 minutes of what is likely a weeks or month long process, depending on the show you're watching. And you are not going to get that same instant gratification that you do when watching one of those shows. Like there you get to see the befores all the way through the afters in one sitting. And when you're doing it yourself, even if you have a whole crew, even if you're working with like a contractor that's handling all of that, it is not going to go as quickly. Obviously you're not going to get it done in an hour, but you'll also hit way more snags then they make you realize on that show. Like, I feel like in those episodes, they always have one big, uh-oh, this is yep. going to break our budget. This is going to set things back. And that's something that happens all the time. Like that is a constant. And they make it seem like every project will have one issue and then it's going to be great from there on, smooth sailing. Everything falls into place. But it really, it requires a lot of hard work and dedication and you have to have a long-term vision. Like you can, you can have that vision and be willing to work for it. And I think you'll get there no matter how long it takes. But if you just have that vision and you want it right away, this is not for you. It, it's don't find a fixer upper, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't really have both of those things. I think there's other outliers too, like doing your due diligence. I mean, one thing that we we learned from looking in an area that had historic preservation, like, so when we were looking, we were looking in Massachusetts originally, and Massachusetts is heavy with preserving historic properties. So yeah. there was a ton of limitations. And as we went from house to house, we realized that like, it doesn't matter what you want to do. The state wasn't going to allow you to do any, mm -hmm. right? Or if they were going to allow you to do it, there was A, an approval process between the town and the state, right? right? And then on top of that, it was going to cost you a lot more than you anticipated mm -hmm. uh, to restore that. So then we looked outside of Massachusetts and and Maine's a little, a little more lenient. I'm at a, a nationally recognized historic property but there is zero protection for the property. However, if I was to demolish this house, I'd get the biggest uprising from the community, mm -hmm. which I think people need to also realize too. Like if 
I have the ability to bulldoze this house and, and I'm not going to because I'm in the pain historic district. I, I literally live in the pain house. So it's like, uh, yeah, I'm, you gotta, you gotta keep that thing standing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I, I do think like, at least with older houses, you got to come into it with, with an open mind. And then there's a lot of things that I didn't realize. So I want to build a house next to it. I have the property, the frontage, everything to do. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that since I'm on a state road, I now have to appeal to the state where I put my driveway. I, I didn't even oh. know about this until like two days ago. So the state can uh, can essentially tell me where I'm going to put the driveway to my house. I was like, this huh. is where I want the driveway. Well, the state is going to say, well, you need X amount of visibility on the right and X amount of visibility on the left. This is where your driveway is going to be. And I was like, huh, interesting. So you always got to be prepared for, well, I shouldn't say be prepared. You got to expect more hurdles than. Right. Than you be ready expect. to roll with them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, no, I agree. It's definitely not all it's cracked up to be. But at the end of the day, when you when you get your hands dirty and do it yourself and roll up your sleeves. There's I think nothing better. There's a lot more ownership in in what you're doing. I agree. I already love the house. And I know that my literal blood, sweat, and tears are going into this house. On the days where I'm feeling particularly discouraged, I just picture like there's a little spot I want a reading nook. And I think about when the house is finished and I'm sitting there finally enjoying a book, like how good and accomplished I'll feel at that point. And then I just get back to work to kind of build towards that little dream. Awesome. Awesome. So outside of everything, right? Mm -hmm. You you have your, your normal daily hustle and then you have the house on the weekends and nights and Mm -hmm. it's a never ending grind. What does Lily do to unwind? (laughs) So I've actually been doing quite a bit of this, this summer. I've been trying to consciously take more time to do things again, because all of fall and winter last year was consumed by work and the house. And that was all I did. I've always loved spending time with friends and family. And now that I'm closer to my family, I see a lot of them. And even though I don't live with my parents anymore, I go visit, I go over, have dinner with them. My mom and I will run little errands. I love being outside. I've been doing some hiking with my boyfriend these past couple of months, trying to get back into that. I, I thought I was in good shape from the house. And then he took me on a hike that I felt like my lungs were burning by the end. So I'm like, okay, got to get my cardio back up noted. So trying to get better at that. I have a a dog. He's my little fur baby. And so take him on our hikes, get him out in the world. But really I do a lot of different things. As long as I'm hanging out with somebody, I'm pretty happy. That's awesome. You know what? I've also got a new respect for everybody comes to new England for leaf peeping. And I actually hate leaves falling right now because I have a massive property (laughs) and now I have to clean up all these leaves and it's, I'm not going to be the person that says like, I hate snow or I hate fall or whatever. I absolutely (laughs) enjoy the ambiance that new England brings. However, I have a new respect for the fact that now I have to do four weekends of leaf cleanup (laughs) So you're not kidding. I know last year I didn't do a good job of cleaning up my leaves before the first snow. And I was like, ah, it'll probably be fine. No. Try shoveling your driveway when there's a layer of leaves underneath it, frozen <laughs> to the pavement. It doesn't work well. And they're there in the spring. 
Yeah. Oh, they they're still there now. To be honest with you, they're in a pile at the bottom of my driveway right now. So, <laughs> thanks for the reminder. <laughs> solid, solid. Well, that's why you need a plow truck and just like plow them something in the in the corner. I know. It might be worth it. I live a little further from the house now, so the thought of like shoveling this driveway at the apartment and then shoveling the house just. It doesn't sound like the best way to spend my winter days. That's the other side of it. It's a never ending job. Yeah. No matter, no matter if it's inside the house or outside the house, it's really got to be something that you want to do that you have a hundred percent focus and, and, and you're willing. There's always something to do. Exactly. So Lily, this is the end of the show. And I just wanted to give you the opportunity to say that if somebody really wants to get down to brass tacks, where could they find you? Where could they ask questions? Website, Instagram handle, TikTok. Where can they find Lily and interact with you? Yeah, so the best places to find me, I'm on TikTok and Instagram at the Elm Street House. And um, my you can also email me. I check it probably once a week, but the Elm Street House at gmail.com. I do try to answer any questions that people send. I've had some fun. Um, some followers that are doing their own projects that reach out for advice or just to share their progress pictures. I love all of it. And then I also have a website, um, which is elmstreethouse.shop. And on there, I have um, different pieces of wallpaper and the newspapers found in the house that I've turned into keychains and pendants that I sell through there. But there's a contact form on there as well, in case you forget any of the handles or my email. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Lily, thank you for coming on the show and, and giving us a glimpse into the day of the life of a person who's rehabbing a historic house. Well, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you. And remember to use code ELM10 at checkout on your next purchase of $60 or more.